It's not just, okay, let me post this one link to Twitter because you wrote an article. It's let's think about how to empower people to have conversations on the channels where our audience spends time. B2B Content Strategist is the podcast where you'll hear actionable advice and strategic guidance from content marketing leaders. I'm Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X, and I sit down with leading B2B marketers to discuss how they overcome challenges with limited time and resources and execute winning campaigns time after time. If you want to improve and streamline your content marketing, keep listening. Hello and welcome to B2B Content Strategist. I'm your host, Amy Woods, founder of Content 10X. And in this episode, I am speaking with Ashley Foss. Ashley is the Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Atlassian, which, if you don't know, is a collaboration software maker that describes itself as on a mission to unleash the power of every team. Now, Ashley has a broad portfolio. Not only is she a marketer extraordinaire, a writer and a speaker by day, she's also a singer, actor and fitness fiend by night. Her work has been featured in Time, Forbes and the Journal of Brand Strategy. And she's shared insights with audiences at Harvard Business Review, among many others. We have a hugely interesting conversation in this episode. We speak in depth about her role at Atlassian, where she works on the technical marketing side. We look at the Herculean systems and processes required to keep such a big operation running smoothly. Ashley also shares her experiences of experimenting with and implementing AI and lots more. It's a fantastic conversation. Let's dive in. Ashley, welcome to B2B Content Strategist. Hey, Amy. Good to be here. I know we were chatting a little bit earlier about all the people we know, like six degrees of separation style. So this is super fun to uh, to hang out with with somebody who's like in my network that I didn't know, but now I do. Exactly. And through the power of podcasting, we get to have a, a proper conversation and I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you for, for your time. Really appreciate it. To get started, in summary, could you just explain a bit about your role and also what Atlassian does as well? Sure. So I am the Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Atlassian, and we are a collaboration software maker. So lots of people are familiar with our products like Jira, Trello, and Confluence. I actually work on the Agile and DevOps side of the house. So technical marketing, I'm marketing to developers, engineering team leads, architects, you know, those types of things. You'll notice I didn't say like, VP of engineering and CTOs. A lot of B2B marketers are like, we want to reach the C-suite. And it's like, yes, we do want to do that. But there are other teams for that. My team is very specifically focused more on practitioners. We do have some elements of our products and our messaging that go more towards that, you know, VP and above level. But my role is very specifically focused on that practitioner level. So I do a broad array of things. My role is a little bit of an odd ball on the team, actually, because it's a mix of content, social media, product marketing. And then I also handle our associate product marketing manager program. So I built that and launched that. It's really focused on developing early career talent. And so there's some elements of fundamental marketing craft that you need to have. Um, obviously, there's elements of product marketing or social media or content strategy and distribution. But just that fundamental, how do you be a marketer in the real world? 
uh, helping to guide those early career folks. So it's fun. I get to do a lot of different things. I don't have a standard day to day and I get to chase a lot of really interesting uh, goals and tactics as well. Yeah, sounds super interesting. Such a, such a varied role. It sounds very rewarding as well. So in terms of your team, so you mentioned, you know, that you, you had a team there. Um, so what does that look like in terms of the different roles within the integrated product marketing area and how you structure that? I think we're actually going through a bit of an evolution on this. So in the past, it was structured more similar to a traditional content marketing team. That was before we added in the APMM program. And I would say before we really started to focus on the intersection of community influencers, internal influencers, advocacy, social media, right? Like those are huge programs. Um, a lot of teams are still kind of using social media as a distribution channel versus a, a true standalone channel. So we've actually seen an evolution of this even since I've been in the role. My predecessor really used content as a flywheel and, and so built, you know, the agile microsite um, that generates a lot of SEO, top of funnel traffic. It does convert into products and then started to build the social media piece of it with just a single social media lead. Um, so now we have continued parts of that model where we do still have a high focus on, you know, top of funnel metrics like SEO. So things like organic entrances, um, middle of funnel metrics. So things like that conversion, um, what we call try intense, um, which is interesting because we actually have all of our products available for free for up to 10 users. So things don't necessarily have to convert to a trial in the way that some other SaaS products do. Uh, but if you click into the product tour, if you're starting to look at product tutorials, those kinds of things, and then obviously that final conversion into signup has some content elements as well that my team consults on. So uh, we have some writers, we have, you know, strategists, we've got our APMMs who do a variety of different things across the team, and then our social media lead who works very closely with our community team, our customer marketing, our product managers, and our technical evangelists to really activate all of that content, all of those concepts, presentations, podcasts, et cetera, throughout a variety of channels. So again, it's not just, okay, let me post this one link to Twitter because you wrote an article. It's let's think about how to empower people to have conversations on the channels where our audience spends time. And because at Atlassian, obviously there's, there's all the different like products and brands that you have, like you mentioned, the most familiar to us at Content Next is, is Trello, but obviously there's many. I was keen to know, how do you manage it from a like central content perspective in terms of, is it like a shared service kind of, there's the copywriters, there's the designers, there's the, these skills, and then they get loaned out to the different product teams or does it work in a, a more kind of siloed way or, you know, how do you manage that from a brand and product perspective? I'll use the, the industry buzzword to say we are a highly matrixed organization. Um, but basically what that means is we do have a mix of centralized and decentralized functions. We also use um, what's called either a pod or a squad or a triad, like depending on how many people are in it, it started as kind of a triad and has grown as the needs have grown. So we do have a centralized function for SEO, for example, where they consult on things like share of mind, um, you know, rankings, keywords, et cetera. 
And then we do, basically we use like a squad structure for design and web resources. And so, um, you know, all of that work gets prioritized across the needs for product, across the needs for marketing, and across the needs for things, you know, special events like our upcoming, you know, event for a team, which is our big conference. So each market has their own kind of pool of people that are assigned from the centralized function. And then we have separate teams that are basically like specialists within different products or different areas of the craft. So in my case, my team is basically specialized in content strategy and distribution for Agile and DevOps. Um, and then our other two markets are work management, which is more like business teams, and then ITSM, which is more uh, IT teams. And so each of them have their own kind of structures within that that works well for their their needs. Right. Now that makes sense. can see how that would work well in, in practice. In terms of your overarching content strategy, um, what are the priorities there in 2023? I guess we're, you know, we're coming up to the end of Q1. As anyone listening to this, we'll be well into Q2. Um, but really keen to know that because, you know, I can see for Atlassian, the overarching business company, active on LinkedIn, blog posts, things like that. But it's then when you look at um, the sites and the content for, say, Trello, where you see webinars and case studies and things like that. But what what is the, you know, kind of content focus and overarching priorities for this year for you guys from a content marketing perspective? That's That answer differs per market because we're at different levels of maturity, for example, and we also have different audiences. So, for example, on the work management side of the house, a lot of that audience is more focused, you know, business teams, business workers, et cetera. And they actually work, you know, have a lot of campaigns and a lot of features that are targeted at marketers. So obviously marketers consume content in completely different ways than engineers do. So um, I can speak for kind of what we're focused on in the Agile and DevOps side of the house. Um, obviously work management is a less mature market for us. The products are very mature because they've been supporting software teams over the years. But now over the last, I mean, I would say five years or so, we've really started to flesh out what is that messaging? What does that use case look like for non-technical teams? Um, but that means that they are a little bit less mature in terms of their marketing, um, you know, the amount of content that they have and, and the different types. So on the Agile and DevOps side of the house, we have a really strong base in terms of SEO. And so we're less focused on, okay, we have to keep churning out net new content to keep driving up the rankings. Now we're really starting to look at what does it look like to optimize that content so that people can convert? And how do we take it from a product-focused journey to a solution-focused journey? So this is, you know, from an overall perspective, and you see this as the company grows and we've added more products to our portfolio. In the past, each of our microsites and all of those content journeys were targeted at a single product. So the Agile microsite went to Jira software, went to the Jira software guides, went to the Jira software onboarding, Jira software every time, right? Um, our Git microsite, it was like, go to Bitbucket. And then we had a CICD microsite, Bitbucket pipelines. And it's like, wait, but I mean, yes, pipelines and Bitbucket are, in theory, they're different products, but like, you're not going to use Bitbucket pipelines without having Bitbucket, right? So um, we we have really had to shift our thinking away from that product-focused mindset into how do I turn this into an omni-channel journey 
that allows our audience to choose the right for me products. And that includes Atlassian products, partner products, and whatever best of breed products that they want to bring. And so from a strategy standpoint, that means that we're having to up-level that storytelling and we're having to look at what are what is that journey from more of a personalized standpoint and how do we do that in a way where we expose the opportunities for you to go up, down, sideways, but we don't overwhelm you with too many choices, right? The paradox of choice. If I give you a hundred things, you're like, how do I know which is the right thing to choose? What if I choose wrong? Can I go back? And so that sense of I can throw a bunch of amazing things at you. I can tell you everything about DevOps, everything about Git, everything about distributed architecture, everything about Agile. And you're like, that's a lot, right? So really the focus is on optimizing that journey, not just at each point, but at the handoffs between each point. That's really interesting. Um, and, you know, in terms of talking about optimizing, so it's a good segue, like talking about optimizing that journey for those, um, you know, the ideal clients that you're trying to reach. Um, in terms of how you guys work in the, in the back end of trying to do all of this work, um, what do you do to optimize the recurring and day-to-day -day type processes that you're all following when you are working on all of this? So there's lots that's go going on. And I know as a company, of course, optimizing and um, collaboration and, and, and people working together seamlessly is a key thing of what you, you are all about as a company. Um, as a marketing team with all of that going on, do you streamline many of these recurring processes that you are working on? Again, we're going through a bit of an evolution with this because as we start to think about how we connect across our different markets and across our different teams, um, a lot of the processes that have worked for us as a smaller, you know, more individualized team are starting to break, right? We're starting to need to say, okay, how do we get that visibility with the work management team, with the IT team. Um, because for example, ITSM, you know, I work a lot in DevOps. My product suite tends to focus most heavily on devs, but the ops side of the house sits on the other side, right? That sits in that ITSM side of the house. And they primarily focus on the ops in DevOps. And so they're like, we're going to run a whole DevOps content campaign. And I'm like, Guys, we literally have the DevOps team, right? So it's an interesting thing to realize that our audiences are doing the same thing that we're doing. They're sitting on two sides of the house. They're having these same conversations and that sense of, oh, just don't throw it over the wall. Let's think about this holistically. So there's a few things that we've started to do. One, we've started to have more regular meetings where we sync across the editorial calendar. We sync across the narrative themes and what all each you know, market is trying to do. Um, we have also started to build, I guess the, the way to put this would almost be a guide for cross-linking. So we get this question all the time, right? People saying, oh, I feel like I should add a link. You know, I should, I should play as a team. I should add a link. What should I link? And it's like, well, I don't have time to go through every single piece of your content. Neither does my editor. Um, you don't have time to go through every single piece of my content to find the right places. So we're starting to build a guide to say, if you're generally talking about this topic, these types of audiences, here's the top five or top six articles that would be the right place to link. Here's a sentence that you can insert that ties. And so it's, it's almost turning into this matrix of if you're Confluence 
and you're talking about project management and having a project kickoff, great. Here's how you talk about how Jira software supports that. Here's how you talk about how Jira work management supports that. Here's how you talk about how Trello supports that. And then depending on the, the audience and the topic, they can insert the right CTA, um, et cetera. Or if we want to say, you know, here's how you talk about, you know, where the project kickoff fits in at in scrum practices, right? Like that's a, a core element of agile, which is core to a lot of our Jira software stuff. Cool. Here's how you talk about Scrum. Here's how you talk about Kanban. Here's how you talk about uh, backlog prioritization, right? So they can choose it from either the product level or from the topic level. Yeah. We also do run regular retros. So if there's a big content initiative, for example, we have recently consolidated a number of our microsites because they were hanging out separately again in that very like product, product, product. And now we're starting to bring them together. And so it's more solution. and after each of those initiatives, we do run a retro and to say what worked, what didn't work, start, stop, continue. Did we have the right people? Did we run this project in a way that is replicated? Like we can replicate it again. Um, so that's another thing. And then we do have frequent presentations where we share learnings and those kinds of things at a mix of different levels. So, you know, I frequently present back to leadership to say, this is what we did. This was the impact of it pros of doing it this way, cons of doing it this way, recommendations for other teams. And then the last thing we have handily, a product called Atlas that allows us to do this. And so um, Atlas is basically tweet link weekly updates. You do have an option to expand and add notes, but um, you you basically track the project as it's going more for a, from a leadership level or a stakeholder level of like, here's the high level summary of what shipped, the impact, any blockers. But there's also a learnings tab. And so people will make Loom videos, they'll do write-ups, et cetera, to then share across the team. And so that's something you can basically put out into the, the marketing channel to be like, has someone done this before? And usually somebody will kind of swarm and say, yes, we've done it. Here's the Atlas ticket. Here's the write-up. You know, Here's our spreadsheet, whatever it is, uh, to track these things. Just a super quick break from this conversation to let you know that if you're a B2B technology or professional services company and you want help with streamlining your content operations, outsourcing your content repurposing is the number one way to produce more high quality content and boost your ROI without putting any more pressure on your team. In fact, it could save your team up to 30 hours per week. We offer content repurposing services for video and audio content. Whether you have a show or you're launching a brand new one, Maybe you have an archive of awesome content, be it webinars or a virtual event, or you want help creating thought leadership content that we can repurpose, we've got you covered. Head to content10x.com to see how we can help you and start increasing your efficiency and the value you get from your content. Now back to the conversation. Sounds awesome. God, you guys really are like leading the way in terms of like communicating with each other, making life easier, collaboration, knowledge sharing. <laughs> it's, it's awesome to hear. I love what you said about the link guide. If you're going to be talking about this, then here's some suggested links because I feel that pain of thinking we really should be linking to something here and then trawling through 500 blog posts to find the most relevant one to link to and things like that. So, oh, so, so many such great tips. And it's obviously, going to be the case that you're using the tools that you mentioned as well your internal tools and 
demonstrating the best practices of how they can be used, which is is brilliant. Um, in terms of AI, so um, from a co content creation perspective, I'm sure as a, as a business it features into the, the building of any of your tools, but from a, a marketing and content marketing, content creation perspective, you know, the, everyone is talking about ChatGPT at the moment. It just seems to have blown up as a conversation. I guess they've just released their updated version four as well. Um, but not just ChatGPT, obviously there's other AI tools as well. When it comes to content creation and that side of the the workflow, have you guys been incorporating it into your processes or experimenting with it? Or where, where do you, where's your opinion on that? Sure. We are in the early stages of our experimentation. I think that there is a ton of awesome opportunity to use AI in the process. Um, the use case that I'm most excited about is content repurposing. So this happens a lot, right? You do a podcast, you do a live stream, and then you want to turn that into a blog post of key takeaways with links to other resources, and then you'll embed the full recording or whatever it is, right? Oh, we want to slice and dice this into clips, create 10 social media posts, give the speaker some assets, give the company some assets. I think that use case is fascinating. Um, John Bonini actually just posted on LinkedIn his experiment with that exact use case. And I was like, tell me more. I'm working on experiments with this. Like, can I just feed the transcript in? And I know a human is going to have to edit it. Whatever ChatGPT spits out is not going to be in the right voice. Uh, it may select the wrong takeaways, right? Like there's, there, you definitely still need that human element. And from my perspective, you cannot use it to create original content. I would not have it take the first pass at things. We've even joked where um, like, oh, I'm trying to make a, a new landing page. So you feed it an existing landing page. And then you say like, generate five headlines, five more, five more, five more. And one of my colleagues was joking. He was like, tell me you're working on a whole suite of related assets and you're trying to rephrase things without telling me that that's what you're working on. And he just has screenshots. It's like, and again, and again, and again. And it's so funny to see ChatGPT spit out, you know, 30 different headlines off of the five or six value propositions that we have already created. So again, on one hand, you're like, oh, a human could never do that. I'm like, no, a human could do that, but it gets boring for the humans. You can, I mean, spitting out 20 headlines is not fun for the humans. We already, we, we agonized over those five value propositions. And now you're telling me I need to rephrase them for email subject lines or for, you know, another set of different landing pages. No, let the robots do that boring work. And then as a human, you go through with your knowledge of the audience, your knowledge of the market, your knowledge of the products, your knowledge of the goals, and pull out from that 20 the right next five, right? So those are a couple of things that, um, some experiments that I've like got in the queue that I'm like, all right, guys, like, and and I... It's interesting because to your point about the knowledge sharing, that sense of, okay, not only do I need to run this experiment, I need to document it and talk about what that process was so that other people can learn from that. And so making sure that you have the bandwidth, not only to experiment for yourself, but also to codify the insights that you get from that experiment so that other people don't have to do steps three through five, they can just start at step five and go. So those are some of the things that we're kind of thinking about, things that we've used it for, funny experiments. My manager actually, uh, to promote our 
market event for Agile and DevOps called Unleash that happened in February. She was like, ChatGPT, write me a joke about Jira. And she was like, and it, you know, spit out a low level thing. And she replied, she put in the next prompt and said, make it funnier. And so she posted and she was like, well, I certainly can't have ChatGPT write the jokes for the keynote, right? Like, this is what you get. But even that is a creative way. Sure, she can come on and be like, hello, I will be speaking at this event. You should come register. Fine, but who who is going to do that? No one versus. So I tried to get the robots to write me a joke. <laughs> exactly. It didn't go well, but come see what a human can do by listening to the keynote, right? That is a much more engaging way. So it's it's definitely interesting. I think um, I think that there is a lot of potential, but the hype that like, it's going to take over the world and writers are out of a job and marketers are out of a job. It's like, have you read this stuff? Because it's not, it's not doing the original thinking and the insightful thinking that humans do. It, it's not. No, it's not. It's, and I think, um, it, you know, it's, it, it's as much about what you put in and the guidance you give it and the kind of the guardrails you set in terms of what you're asking it to do and within what bounds and things like that, isn't it? Um, but, you know, I, I completely agree. It's, it's funny you said about like the repurposing side, because you know, my agency content to next, we are a content repurposing agency. So that's what we do. And um, we've sometimes played around with not chat GPT, but other types of tools, like typical tools, like feed a blog post in or feed a white paper in and it'll generate tweets. But um, we, we, to this day, have never found anything like, that hasn't just caused us howl with laughter at how bad it is, to be honest, because there's no context, you know, it's just these contextless, like, like, why would you tweet that sentence? It would make no sense. Like, where's the insight on top of it or like the reason for it? And, you know, sometimes it's just, I, don't, I think we, when we've done it a few times, there's never been one tweet we would use, not that we would do it for our clients or anything more, just like playing around with it. But um, like you said, it, it's good for the bits that yes, humans can do it, but humans perhaps don't enjoy doing that. And if you can give the human a head start as well. So yeah, you could put, it might do better than a transcript. You might say, take this content and then don't transcribe it, but create a blog post, but you're still going to go in and add all the human side and things like that. But at least it gives you the, the, um, the sort of initial, not from a blank canvas, but like a step beyond a blank canvas to start from. But it's just something for us all to keep an eye on, isn't it? It's it's evolving and changing. And I don't think people should feel threatened, like writers should feel threatened that it's going to replace their jobs because it's not. But it, for me, I think it kind of exposes the quality content over the regurgitated, um, like computer AI generated content then, because I've certainly seen like a few like businesses that I've spotted have like a real decline in their written content recently. And you could almost pinpoint the day that they must have fired the copywriter <laughs> and, and hired chat GPT instead. And it's a shame. It's like, you know, what is happening here? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big thing and it's just something it's exciting and something to keep an eye on and experiment with in terms of content marketing and marketing overall. Um, what kind of expert skills or like functions within the business area? Um, within the marketing area, do you really prefer to keep in-house? And what areas do you prefer to get that skill set from outside? And like, for example, SEO, though, I know you mentioned already that you actually have SEO as a centralized 
team, but are there any other parts of that content marketing in particular area that you very much kind of like, this is where we would outsource that expertise and this is where we'll always keep it in-house? There's not a right answer to this. And I think I'm highly biased because I'm at a big company where we have the opportunity to have a lot of specialized functions in-house. Um, and some of this depends on your ways of working. Some of this depends on the audience. Some of this depends on your budget. And if you are not running on a budget that can support hiring subject matter expert writers, right? Like the intersection of the expertise and the craft, that's going to be really hard for you to just say, oh, we'll just hire any random writer to do this. No, that's not what you'll do. Do you have subject matter experts internally to pair them because that writing craft skill and and I know you interviewed Sarah Goff DuPont uh, previously who is an excellent writer and she has acquired a lot of that expertise over the years because she's been focused in a very specific area and she's had the opportunity to pair with very smart people but I don't care how good of a writer you are if you don't have a subject matter expert your writing skills are not the point right same thing for social media. This is something that I see a lot where people say, oh, we'll just get an agency. Okay, does the agency know the audience? I don't, I don't care whether the agency knows the platform. That's fine. I don't care if they know the scheduling tools. That's fine. If they don't know the audience, it, it's not that I need someone to schedule tweets. That's not the hard part. It's knowing which tweets resonate with this particular audience, and especially for me with technical audiences. So my social media lead handles Bitbucket, the Bitbucket social media handles, for example, all depths. And some of the stuff that she comes up with, she, she partners with our technical evangelist, and the stuff that they come up with is amazing. Like, but if you show it to a marketer, a marketer is going to be like, I don't understand what that is. We need to explain it. I'm like, no. No, no. <laughs> Drives get it, right? Like one of them, I mean, I get it because I've been in marketing and I'm married to a dev, but there was a meme that was basically a, a riff on, depending on what you use, if you're using like binary, um, the date for Christmas and the date for Halloween, depending on which base you use are the same. And so the joke was, why do devs confuse Christmas with Halloween? And it, is the equation and all the devs are like ha, 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 that's right the marketers are not no there are very few agencies that would understand that that joke plays well with the bitbucket audience but not the jira audience so i i struggle with this because i have a lot of bias around my current audience my current channels and my current team that i'm like i have tried to outsource some of this stuff and and it's hard it doesn't really work because the audience, they're, they're tricksy hobbitses, right? Like devs are a very tricky audience. And so, and especially on social media, they can get real brutal, um, especially on Reddit. Woo, struggles over there, right? So I actually really struggle with, with saying that you can outsource. I think that I have seen other teams who have been successful at that. Um, I actually think that your agency is in a really good spot with the repurposing. I think that the repurposing is right for that because you've already gotten 
all of the tricky nuance and that kind of stuff. But in terms of the actual original content creation and social media, like strategy and that kind of stuff, I really struggle to say you can outsource it. I think you could potentially outsource some of the design, but I would prefer to have a contact like at an agency if we did that, who regularly worked on our business because, um, for example, there's some technical diagrams and those kinds of things that if you're just popping in, it's going to be really hard for you to, to understand conceptually what needs to happen to then be able to abstract that in a way that makes sense. So yeah, I, I may, I'm also maybe highly biased in that way because I'm just like, oh, I get to work with, with, I have the luxury of having a lot of this in-house. Yeah, it's wonderful that you have that in-house. It, it is it is a luxury for, for some, isn't it? And I think it's fantastic. And so if you can, then why wouldn't you really? It's, it's a huge benefit. In terms of content marketing initiatives, could you just like in summary tell me what is the most memorable content marketing initiative that you've worked on? What just always lights you up when you think about that and its results, how it went? Yeah. This one, it's it's small in comparison to the the variety of things I've done, but I love it for two reasons. One, it turned a negative into a positive. Two, it involved multiple different teams. And then three, it involved multiple different channels. And then four, it had a huge impact. So we, like all the way around, I was like, it, it was small, but it was amazing. We had a scenario where um, something came out um, about story points, which is a very hot topic in the Agile community. So this is like very specific to our audience, very specific to our products. And it caused this huge kind of kerfuffle on the internet and everyone was upset, right? So one of our PMMs, who's also an expert in this space, said, why don't we host a roundtable with a bunch of other experts to talk about the evolution of estimation for how long projects will take and assigning points to stories. Let's talk about this. So she reached out. We hosted this roundtable. It was a great conversation with a number of experts in the industry. Obviously, we put that out. We turned it into a takeaway blog. We gave them all clips so that they could share it on social. She shared it. And then we also embedded it back into a long-form article from an SEO standpoint that then talks about all of this. So the fact that it was all cross-linked, the fact that it included a mix of internal and external experts, the fact that it included different types of assets in terms of, you know, written, long-form, short-form. We did an AMA in our community as part of that to say, hey, you can ask us questions about this. And the fact that it basically turned the sentiment from, why did you do this? What are you doing? You don't know to, this is fair. This is a hard problem to solve. Well, there's reality and there's theory. Let's talk about it, right? So uh, that was one of the most memorable. I My phone blew up, you know, as I was like walking in San Francisco from the train and I was like, all right, let's play. So it was it was small uh, and I would, I would almost not call it an initiative. I would say it was a response and it was kind of a, a mini campaign, but I loved it just for the, the speed and the expertise and the channels and the impact. Absolutely love that. What a great example. Do you have an example of a, a like I was going to say a, a faux pas, but a um, something that didn't go quite so well, like a funny story or cautionary content marketing tale of, of something where you learn, you know, learn, learn through where, you know, doing things differently next time, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, that one, um, this this gets into the pitfalls of not consulting experts in your content. Um, 
we that that situation was actually caused by another team who thought that they would be quippy and they were like oh, well we'll just throw this in and they like tossed it into the release notes without understanding that for that audience it is a very hot topic and the kind of quippy like just gonna toss this out there for funsies and we're like you know and as marketers we're like no why so I think, and we've had a couple of situations like that where the marketers are like, "Man, I can do it. I know. No, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> and, and I say this as someone who sometimes has that attitude where I'm like, listen, I know what's up. Okay. I can do things, but you can, you can quickly get yourself into hot water when you throw in one sentence that just completely obliterates the credibility of the entire script or presentation or article. And so being very closely aligned with your SMEs, particularly in subjects, you know, more technical subjects or something like that, that is how you avoid those faux pas. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and we all experience these things from time to time and we should learn from them. <laughs> A final quick five question. So if you could create any kind of content for, for in your, in your current role, and there was just absolutely no bounds to both budget and access to resource as well. Um, so we could be talking about, you know, a primetime TV show with like Morgan Freeman voiceover or something like that, a billboard in Times Square. Um, what would you do? What would be like, oh my goodness, I would just absolutely love to do that. <laughs> I'm going to be really boring actually and say that what I would actually do with that budget is pair like a marketing generalist one-to-one -one with every person that we say we want to be the face or be the voice or be a thought leader. I would actually not spend that budget on a Super Bowl ad or a Times Square ad or any of that. I would say, get me however many kind of marketing generalists and pair them one-to-one -one with our SMEs. That's actually how I would use that budget. And would you use that to grow with the, uh, help to grow the personal brand of those SMEs then? Like yeah, basically content, the intersection kind of, of the personal brand of those SMEs in the topic areas where we need to build credibility with that audience. What a fantastic answer. Uh, wouldn't it be brilliant to be able to do that in the organizations? It'd be so beneficial. So I love that. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. It's been such a, a brilliant conversation. Everybody who listens in on this is going to get taken so much away from it. Um, in terms of who we like to speak to, leaders, in the B2B marketing space, just like yourself. With that in mind, who do you think should be the next person that we would speak to? Sure. I'll give you two. So Sarah Stella Latenzio, I think she's phenomenal. She does a ton of great content around content strategy. And then Erin Balsa, same thing. She has a lot of great information about how to hire writers, how to think about strategy, where you are at different stages of growth. So those are two that I'll recommend that I personally would love to hear their episodes. No. That's amazing. Where do you want people to connect with you, Ashley? Um, like LinkedIn, I'm sure obviously we'll send everyone over to the business site as well. But yeah, where would you like us to um, direct people over to? I am most prolific on LinkedIn. So that is the best place to find me. You can also find me on Twitter, but you know, LinkedIn's the better place. LinkedIn's the place. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll link to find you over on LinkedIn in the show notes. So yeah, thank you so much. It's been an awesome conversation. So thanks for coming on B2B Content Strategist. Yeah, thanks for hosting.
Thanks for listening to this episode of B2B Content Strategist. Do let me know what you thought of our conversation by getting in touch with me on social media. You'll find Content 10X on all the social platforms or search for Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X on LinkedIn. To find out more about streamlining your content marketing processes and specifically about content repurposing, check out our website, content10x.com, where you'll find information and resources that will help you achieve more with your content more efficiently. And if you're looking for a partner to outsource your content repurposing and distribution to, get in touch as we offer a world-class, fully end-to-end, done-for-you content repurposing service. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I'll catch you in the next one.